Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of You'll Die Trying, the obituary. What an episode that Nathan just recorded. <laughs> Crazy. I, I can't believe, I mean, just hearing that was was incredible. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, whenever I was listening to it and I like immediately texted him and I was like, you have to tell me the rest of the story. <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> and it's, it was, uh, it was just, but I mean, it was, it was, inc- it was so captivating. Yes. Yeah, from from beginning to end, like uh, I love how he remembers all of it in such detail. I mean, I think there's those defining things that that you you will never forget in terms mm-hmm. of where you were, what you were thinking about, yeah, how it how it smelled, all your senses. I mean, there's yeah, there's some of those defining moments in life that mm-hmm. you just it's it's almost as if you can relive them I in, already a photographic, have one of those, in a yes. photographic sense. Yeah. You've already experienced that. Yes, I already have one that just stands out to me from beginning to end. Really? Um yeah. So it's just it's We're talking about a death call, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I was making <laughs> uh, sure it wasn't like me saying that I, I I remember where I was when the Chicago Cubs won the World <laughs> Series cuz I was sitting there drinking no. beer at Murray State University and <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was playing baseball at Murray before, actually, before I transferred to UK. Oh, um, here we go. Yeah, I was I, I was sitting there in, in the uh, the Jack and Jill style dorm, and we were in my roommates, uh, I guess our our suite mates' room. And they were roommates. And we were roommates, but we were we were sitting there. There were about nine of us in there drinking Keystone Light because it was the only thing we could get God. with our fake ID at the at the Marathon gas station across from campus. Yeah, and. We're just sitting there making sure our RA Sean didn't hear us drinking. So, Sorry, Sean. Yeah, Sean was cool. He held like Smash Bros tournaments Sean, in, in case and you didn't Mario know. Kart. Yeah, but here we are, just hammering beers and watching the Chicago Cubs win. I'll never forget where I was because that was pivotal for sports. But yeah, so going back into it in a little more serious note, oh, that yeah. was that was um, that episode really. It it was impactful. I think yeah. I just. I was actually reading some of the the overview, I guess even his script before I listened to it. And I it just it seemed almost like it was out of a a short story. Yeah. Like it was like authored. A Hollywood story. You couldn't I I mean it's just and and to think that funeral directors experience this. Yeah. Sometimes more often than not, you don't want to yeah. think about that that and this is what he's talking about especially in this episode. This is the one side of the business, and I guess even on top of that, I, I like to call it and refer to this as the vocation mm-hmm. that no one wants to experience. And it shows you that that life isn't fair, that there's sometimes there isn't a rhyme or reason for young no. death. Yeah, and that's that was that was very very heartbreaking. Tough. It's yeah. gut wrenching. You feel empathy. You feel just you just feel heartbroken mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't know them, but no. at that point in time, it doesn't matter. Right, uh, you're feeling those emotions just as you did, um, and it's just it's so hard. And that shows you too. I mean, funeral directors have feelings too. So <laughs> we do. Sometimes we really they do. you sit there and and not to not to follow with the stigma and, mm-hmm. and to stereotype this industry, but you uh, you will see that a yeah. lot of them look so just stone. Yeah, just uh, like just, cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Like we wear this, you know, mask. Like we go in and when and, and we just, you know, we barely introduce ourselves and we just picked up the loved one and and take them and that's it and we we don't think about it again. I mean, that is definitely not the case at all. You go home with a lot of it. Yes, 
Yes. Things really like do. that. It, the, you talk about you won't ever forget. Some things keep you up at night. I know. And I think this is one of those, too, that mm-hmm. he said he just knew it was different. But, yeah. well, going into it, that's I'd love to hear your your, yeah. your experience, Micah. So well, I'm, and sure, it's, I'm sure it's the rest of, the of our listeners way. would, I mean, too. You, you just kind of sense it. Um, you know that this one's going to be different, um, and it's kind of a terrible feeling. Um it's almost, but, but almost enticing, you know. And it's just like, what, what, what is it? You know, what are you going to see? You literally don't know until you get there. Um, and for me, it actually wasn't like I didn't go on this call. I didn't pick up that loved one. I mean, it was my second day of shadowing. I wasn't even hired on yet, um, and it was just, it was hard. What it happened? Was, it was hard. Um, so this, you know, this this young one comes in. Not used to that. I mean, the the first, you know, maybe like three I saw were older, um, you know, and, and had either, you know, died of COVID or heart attack or, you know, something like that. So to me, just the fact that they were young um, was already hard enough. Um, mm-hmm. And so you go in and, you know, this, this one's a, a special case um, because they're so young and it's just... You know, you. I visibly remember seeing them the way that they are. You know, I remember thinking, "Man, they had their whole life ahead of them. They mm-hmm. had so much more to contribute to society." Um, and it's just you just think about they don't get to do that anymore. You think about their family. You think mm-hmm. about you know everything that goes on, and it is just so hard, mm-hmm. so hard. And those are the kind of things where you you never will have those answers. No, I don't think. No, you never will. And you can try to rationalize and 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 make your peace with it too, but mm-hmm. it's just it's hard. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, but to me, you know, looking down on the table um, and and seeing them like that, you just you're just like I'm going to put everything I have into this. You know, like I'm going to make sure um, that I wash them respectfully, I, always, anyways. But like I'm going to. I'm going to have some extra good thoughts on this one, you know. It's just that level of care. I think it's that yeah. that emotional appeal. Um, I think that that's something, too, that can kind of happen in this industry is you kind of become numb, in a sense, to certain things. Mm-hmm. As I mean, every day, the more and more you're exposed to something, you kind of get that, that just, that not, com- I mean, I guess a little bit of comfort, but it becomes... Not, I guess, a little routine in a sense that you you kind of just you're so used to it. Yeah, yeah. That it no longer has that same impact as the first time I saw an embalming. When yeah. I almost sit there and I faint, and it, it, yeah. that's as you as you become more exposed to it. The the and, and I'm probably the odd one out because I'll go <laughs> I'll go down there and I'm like you know like. Hey, Mr. Smith, you ready for a bath? You know, you ready to get started? And I'm, you know, like brushing their hair behind their ear and, you know, like yeah. I'm I'm always talking to them anyways, but yeah, this I'm, one was just it's just different sometimes. Yeah, and I think that's and and that's where it just really it brings back that that first kind of it's almost like the the first experience in a sense to where you're you're never you, you get into that routine of just being comfortable mm-hmm. and then it brings back all these emotions. Yeah. This experience is just something that that you can't really explain no. in a sense. You just it, it's almost it's it's like the first time. Yeah. It really is. And yeah, you remember every little detail. You remember the dates. You I mean, just all of it. it you remember your emotions. Mm-hmm. 
and that and that's those are those kind of services too, especially for young mm-hmm. individuals that pass away. There's a lot more pressure to it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because your visitations are going to be more crowded. They're younger. They have known more. I guess because a lot of times with older individuals when they pass, chances are some of their family and friends have passed as well. Yeah, yeah, we get that a lot. And when you're, I mean, obviously when you're younger, most people are still around that mm-hmm. know you and love you and care for you. Yeah. So that adds to the pressure a little bit too. And then for an untimely death, there's a lot more emotion involved in the entire process, not just on the funeral side, but the family. Mm-hmm. There was no, they weren't expecting it. It's not supposed to happen. Yeah. Yet I here they you are just sitting. Never know. Yeah. And then yet here they are sitting there for their child, for their sibling, and they're in an arrangement room to plan their funeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just shock, but just frustration. Death, death does not call and ask if you are ready. No. <laughs> they don't wait for you to answer the phone. Um, you know, it just, and it, sometimes we forget that. Even in yeah. this industry, I mean, sometimes you forget it. Right. And, you know, you can say that it was their time and things like that. But mm-hmm. especially for young, you're not supposed to die when you're young. No. You're supposed to have that life. Yeah. That, I mean, just, it's just, it, that's what makes it very tough. And, um, but I can see how that could be something that you would never forget. And I know that I have one of those moments too where I'd become stoic almost in a sense to where, I was so just, I was used to everything. I'd seen it enough. And um, we got a call one time for a car accident. And there was a young girl, a very, very young girl, and her mother passed away. I'd gone to school with her mother. Mm. And this little girl, bless her heart, I can still see it to this day. I'd never seen a child embalmed before. I didn't watch the embalming, but I'd never seen a kid in a casket. Mm-hmm. And I can still, to this day, remember standing there because I was setting up the chapel, actually, before the family got there and making sure everything was perfect. The DVD was playing. The flowers were set up in a reverent manner around the casket. The casket spray fit just perfectly that the chairs were in a row, there were tissue boxes, plenty of tissue boxes, Mm -hmm. that the music was the perfect volume. And when everything finished, I was in there with Nathan, actually, just kind of standing there. Both of us stood in complete silence, standing in front of the casket, looking at this mother laying with her child in her arms. Yeah. And those are those moments where you sit there and you just think, this isn't supposed to happen. This isn't mm-hmm. fair. This just, your heart reaches out to him. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little bit yeah. upset even thinking about it right now. I mean, because it's just, it's hard. You, it's, it's, it's so hard. And, and I think people forget about that for us. Um, you know, we can't just walk away from that. We can't just leave it at work and, and no. not take it home with us. Um, I know with mine especially, I mean, as soon as we got done with the embalming, I mean, I sat in my car in the parking lot and cried. Did you really? And just, yeah, I did. I just, I cried. And I was like, man, this was, I didn't expect that experience so soon for me, but I'm glad that it happened because I'm, you know, we're going to run into those situations eventually. And I need to know that it's, I can, I can be there for them and, and detach myself mm-hmm. a little bit during, um, and it's okay to cry afterwards. Yeah. You know? I think that's healthy. And yeah. 
I remember sitting there and everybody deals with grief or with different traumas like that in their own way. That's what makes us human. Mm-hmm. None of us are cookie cut. <laughs> we're all different flower color in God's garden. Sometimes and we wish we were. Yeah, but. sometimes <laughs> it would maybe make it a little bit easier, but it, it just wouldn't make life as interesting or fun. Right, um, yeah. But I remember sitting there with him and and just seeing this, and, and I had to let the family into the chapel. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit in on those arrangements too with Nathan because he was trying to really in, in just engulf me into the funeral care mm-hmm. of learning how to handle arrangements on my own. But he wanted me to see one of these untimely, these I guess these untimely deaths for how tough it actually is, even on the arrangement side. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that I love about Nathan um, is that he will still do that with, yes. with children. I mean, he will still come down and sit in with the family during arrangements and in the hardest time of their lives. He'll handle them. Yes. He, he will he will coordinate the funeral. He will go on the funeral. Yes. He will see everything from start to finish personally. Yes. And I think that's I speaks, love that. It yes. is because he has the he has the vocation. He has the heart to do it. Yeah. That care, that attention to detail and and just that that true act of service. Mm-hmm. But I sat in on the arrangements and this family had not lost one but two. They lost a daughter and a granddaughter. They lost a sister and a niece. Mm -hmm. And they were both gone at the snap of a finger. Yeah. And just there, I cried during the arrangements. I teared up too. And I I mean, just unconsolable Mm -hmm. weeping was what was going on in the arrangement office the whole time. We actually didn't And it's allowed. I mean, and I feel like people may be listening to this and, and they're like, how, why, you know, why would you do that? Just, just hold it together. But literally, you cannot. No, <laughs> it, it just it, you comes. It um, just it just hits you. I mean, it's, it's so it's, powerful, and it it's shows just... you it shows you the empathy that that humans mm-hmm. actually have, and and how you. I mean, it's almost as if you were personally impacted mm-hmm. by that loss. Yeah, and, and you were. Yeah, you know, you didn't know, but sense, you were. I didn't know them from Adam, and if I would have ever seen them anywhere else, I would have just thought that, and if I would have read about it, I would have thought, that's just terrible. Yeah. Like, when you see something like that in obituary, you just kind of think, oh. I know, you know? so sad. But you go They're from so that young. to you're, yeah. you're having to sit there and help them pick a casket for their young daughter and their granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And you have to do that. Yeah. And that's not easy to do. At all. At all. And you have to tell them about all these things they have to do, and they are still in shock. Yeah. And all this, you talk about all the steps that go into planning a funeral, and here you are, and you're trying to do your job, mm-hmm. but you really can't because they don't want to hear it, and you don't want to talk about it. No. No. You don't. And it's just, it's that it just shows you how difficult this you have to can be. Yes. And you have to be so patient because you have to understand that they're grieving. They're, they cannot process what you're saying to them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may have to repeat yourself a thousand times. And that's normal. Um, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but you just give them your cell phone number and you say, hey, at any hour of the day, call me, mm-hmm. you know, like text me. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know if there's anything I can do for you. Um, you the know, only, and it's just yeah. The only thing that is normal about an untimely death um, arrangement is that you know that it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that is normal about that. Yeah, is that you already know it's going to be hard. Yeah, and I we were going back to it. We were staying in front of the casket, 
and viewing them to make sure they looked perfect Mm -hmm. before the family came in. I remembered Nathan said that he grieves in a different way that I do. He was very frustrated. Mm -hmm. Not at anyone in the staff, not at any, just that (laughs) he was frustrated at at life, that it wasn't, that that this is not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. It's not fair. It's not fair. And that that's something that's out of your control. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being very um, out of it for the rest of the day, just kind of in a daze almost that I had just seen one of the worst things a a, a child under the age of six Mm -hmm. that had her whole life ahead of her and playing frozen songs on the dvd and things like that things she loved and which makes it so much worse so hard oh but and then going into guys we're gonna go ahead and just dive in after sharing our experience with nathan's talking about that detail for the removal Mm -hmm. yeah and how you know he goes into all this as, you know, I've we put two pairs of rubber gloves in our pocket. Um, you know, he remembers the smell, getting into the van, um, you know, all of it. And it's, to me, just, you know that that impacted him when he can remember small small things about that day. And it's not on, and on top of that, too, that's the last, the last death call yeah. that him and Megan ever went on not, together. Yeah, not knowing, of course, that it was going to be the last, but... But when Micah talked about how you kind of can sense that you know it's going to be tough, he talks about that too. The phone rang differently. Yes. Yeah. The phone rang differently. Four fifty-five p.m. Yeah, and and that's how mine was. I mean, we had just got uh, so I was actually at my nephew's birthday party. It was um, in the summer, and I get home, and you know, I had already texted Christine that day, and I'm like, hey, you know, it's it's me, just wanting to shadow again. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> let me know if you guys get anything tonight or tomorrow. Did you, you know, go, anytime. Did you go to? Did you go and make the removal? No, no, oh, I met okay. him at the funeral home. Oh, okay, um, and so Christine calls me, and it's it's probably like eight that night, eight p.m. Mm-hmm. She calls me, and she's like, hey, you know, we we're getting one. You know, we're we're going to pick up now if you want to, you know, meet us meet us at Haley McGinnis. Um and and she she warned me beforehand, you know, on the way. She's like, "Hey, this this is a young one. You know, just be prepared." I said, mm-hmm. "Okay." Um but I knew when my phone rang at 8 that night and it was Christine. I was just like, "Oh, this is this is this is one and it's I just you could just feel it." It's mm-hmm. just, it's going to be bad. It's going to be, yeah. you know. It's going to be bad. It's going to be I different. I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah. Just, we don't have to, we don't have to pull the curtain back. We can pull the curtain no, back. Yeah. It's, it's going to be bad. Yeah. And you know that. And even going back to Nathan's story about his last experience, when you talk about how there's an untimely death and you, there's so many unknown things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And showing up to a house like that, it's always difficult to, remove a loved one from a home because this family is having to say goodbye in their in their home in their home yeah or at the at hospice or at a, a nursing home and but people aren't ready to let go Mm-mm. and 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 how can we you know make them ready we can't no, you know there's it's no. literally impossible no you're never going to be ready yes and when it's a child on oh, top yeah. of that too there's just so many different things that that you don't want to see. You don't want to have to see the family like that too. Just it's hard. Mm-hmm. And him going in, and he said that he talks to the family, and he he was unsure about how their welcome was going to be. Essentially, that 
was it going to be just out of, were they going to be angry, like in denial? Like, yeah. you don't know. And, and and him thinking, you know, what the hell do you say? <laughs> right. What are you going to say to these parents that, you know, you can't just say, you know, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. Well, of course we are, but yeah. this is a child that's completely right. different. I mean, you have to... And that was something to think about everything. When we go back into what we talked about in previous episodes, how the funeral care side of things was not my vocation. I love to talk to people. I, I mean, they said that I did great during arrangements because I get people talking about how much they love their family member. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything I want to know about who they were, what they love. <laughs> yeah, that's my and, favorite thing too. Tell me about the memories. Yeah, you know, and but it's at the same time, what was really hard for me is they don't want to be talking to me about this kind of stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, because there's nothing that I can say that's going to ease that pain and um, really just kind of put it into. I guess just a little bit of peace, and I, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't do that in that situation as a funeral director. Not just in the sense that, um, you know, it was an untimely death, or even if it was an older loved one. You just, no one wants to lose somebody, and then you're all, all the attention's kind of on you, and you're like, well, I can't fix the situation. I can't bring them back, mm-hmm. and that was what was always the hardest part for me because I felt like if I was going to dive in and start talking and really getting to know them, that I was going to be like kind of seen as like, well, I can't bring them back. And yeah, that was hard for me that I couldn't. It's, yeah, that I couldn't talk about them. That I had to talk about them in the present tense because it does ease that that period of grief, but. Mm-hmm on the same side, you're kind of like, well, I can't, I can't do anything that is going to be replaceable. Yeah. All I can do is help you celebrate them the best way possible, which yeah. we do Nothing in you an can exceptional say. manner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's how we can show it, but I'm a talker. And that was, that was what was tough, but he talks about how he doesn't know how he's going to be, you know, what the hell do I say to somebody? What do yeah. you say? What can you say in that moment? And yeah. there's nothing. There's no script. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing. You can't do it. And then on top of that, Megan's pregnant with their first child. Mm-hmm. And she's already kind of started to develop those motherly instincts. And yeah. I can't speak for those, but maybe Micah can kind of have a little more understanding. <laughs> um, but, and I think those of you that know me know that that's not true. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's... It is. As, as a female... I think that we um, can word things a little better or at least be a little more, um, and I don't want to say this in a rude way for males, but we can at least be more um, caring um, and sympathetic about certain situations. I think even just trusting too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really do. Because it's almost like you understand because you also, if you have a child, you, I mean, you carried that child Mm -hmm. for nine months. You brought them into the world. Yeah. And you have that just, that undeniable love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what helps a lot with that too. But And and it's got to be hard on Megan um, being pregnant and, you know, going, going to their house to pick up their child um, that is no longer. I mean, you know, does she feel that guilt? Does she, you know, what what is going on in her head? Right. Um, and it's just... And and she oh, heartbreaking yeah, for both. Not just that, but physically too. That like she's showing signs of 
of, of extreme late, of, like she's late in her tri- like her third trimester, I think, or she's six months in. So she's mm-hmm. either getting close to the third trimester. I've never been to the OBGYN, so I don't know <laughs> um, from what I understand. But she's she's fatigued already. Her ankles are swelling, um, and she's got to put all that aside to care for this child that this family has lost. Mm-hmm. And it's just to me that just shows how how tough it can be. Yeah. And very meeting with the family and and telling uh, you know Nathan talks about going upstairs and here's the weeping cuz you always when you go in on a death call you always want to locate where the deceased is located. So that way you can kind of figure out how do we want to take the cot mm-hmm. and um yeah. you know what's going to be our best kind of route almost and yeah. then after getting permission from the family, you will go back out and put those rubber gloves on. Yeah. And and usually, too, with house calls, um, coroners are really good about saying, hey, you know, like, they're in the back bedroom, but I don't think your cot's going to fit. You know, you you may need to get the... Um, it's like the movable cot. It's yeah. kind of like a... It's almost like a, a body bag, sort of. Yeah. But not really. But like with handles and yeah. zips and that's not know. a very good description. We're not no. really giving much of a description. It's kinda <laughs> like a yeah, it's 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 almost like a cot that's got handles on either side. Yeah. The little um not like ve- it, it velcros, I think, doesn't it? it? it or does it zip too. or does it it's it zips down like the middle of it, but it also velcros too for, for straps and stuff. And um, then you use you use this this portable cot. Portable cot is that's a, what is it a good is. One. That's I think I think that's what we call it, is the portable <laughs> yeah. cot. Yeah, and um, so usually they're good about you know saying that you're going to need that or you know hey do you do you want me to stick around just in case? And sometimes the portable cot is not fun. No, especially if someone's <laughs> a little bit heavier. Uh, no. Oh man, you better ate your Wheaties that morning. Yeah, because I've we've run into that a couple of times yeah. too, and yeah. oof, it's, that's tough. It is. That's tough. <laughs> That is tough. You better yeah. be turning the air conditioning all the way up in the car on the way home because you're going to be sweating. Yeah, heavily, heavily. And you're but, you're going to be out of breath for days. But yeah, but he he goes in and this the way everything's kind of going in. But he just talk, talking about how he sensed it, like he knew. Mm-hmm. And and you talked about that too. It's just you get this, you just kind of develop this sixth sense a little bit. That yeah, this is what's going to be happening, and you just. You have to you you have to prepare the best way you can, and there's just so much unknown. And um, he talks about how he's uneasy. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah, and which Nathan, you know who who wouldn't be. And Nathan is one of the most uneasy. Or he's excuse me. <laughs> and this he I, I just said that completely wrong, guys. Uh, he is he is very put together and professional in these moments. Mm-hmm. Always seems like he says the right thing. He, well, he, yeah, he absolutely it's does. It's the way he, he just, he commands the room. <laughs> he but commands he, it's the in a, room. Yeah. He commands the room in like a respectful and trusting way almost. You you feel comfortable. He can really get that going. And to, for him to just kind of come out and show that vulnerability saying, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to say. What am I supposed to do here? Yeah. Because you know there's, you you feel a little bit helpless. Yeah. Knowing that you can't do anything to make this better. Well, one, you don't want to say the wrong thing. Right. And no. that can easily happen. <laughs> yes. Easily. With how delicate the situation is. Yeah. One, um, one wrong word and 
going yeah. from, I mean, everybody's already, I mean, it's already a, a house of matchsticks yeah. and it's just, that could and, be the straw on yeah. the camel's back. And then, and then two, you know, what do you say? If you don't want to say the wrong thing, but what's the right thing, you know, like no. what, what do you say? And so I think it's, I think it's great to show that, um, to just be like, Hey, I, I don't know what to say. I truly am sorry. You know, I, you know, we're just, we're just honored yeah. that you're trusting us. Mm-hmm. With with something so serious, it's with a privilege. So, something so big, it is such an honor, um, you know. So it's just the wording, man. The wording is, the wording is, is almost everything. It's pivotal, yeah. And then he he goes in even deeper to talk about how um, he can't remember anything. Like he he was signing the provisional, so you had to sign paperwork for authorization. Mm-hmm. But he's giving the family details about what he's doing. Almost to kind of include them a little bit, I think. Not yeah. that he's just there to to make the removal, but he's he's trying to bring everybody back in to talk to him about how this is why he has to do this. And I think maybe it provides a little bit of a distraction too, or just and maybe even eases him a little bit to know like, here's why he's doing this. Yeah. I understand. I know that my loved one is gonna be cared for. Well, yeah, and you're and you're not just coming in and, and going directly to the coroner and and um, signing, you no. know, paperwork, and then they're just kind of watching you in the background. Um, but no one's no one's talking about it. No, you know? and there's um, a lot of interaction that goes on in a death call mm-hmm. with the family. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's hard. that's the first thing we um, do. Well, actually, the first thing we do is go to the coroner because they're there first, and they're the ones who usually introduce us to the family. Um, if that's not the case, then we go, you know, immediately to the family. Just say, hey, you know, this is this is Micah. We're from Haley McGinnis. Let me first and foremost let you know how sorry uh, we are that we have to meet like this. You know, no one wants to meet like this. But also, you know, thank you for allowing us the honor um, and the and the privilege to to serve um, your loved one. Uh, we will do I- anything and everything in our power um, to make this as easy as possible. You know. And to all our listeners here, I challenge each of you to put yourselves in a funeral director's shoes for a moment. Imagine what it's like to walk into a house or into a, a hospital or into a nursing home and to sit there with a family who has just, within, within the hour. Mm-hmm. Within the hour. Within the hour, who has lost a family member or a loved one or a friend, and you have to talk to them. Yeah. And, not, not only do you have to talk to them, but, but you, have you have to take, take away their loved one. That they just lost. I mean, you have to take their body physically from them. I mean, they're not ready. No one's ready. But that try to put yourself in those shoes for a minute and think about what would you say? What would you do? It sounds a lot harder. I mean, it, it sounds a lot easier, maybe, or you just I, I don't know. I've, I mean, just I, I don't really know where I'm going with that. But <laughs> I just I kind of law I need more big turkey foot coffee. I think. But put, uh, but your, put yourself in that situation. Yeah. I mean, what what would you do? What How would do you, you think say? you would handle it? I mean, it, it just it's. There's no right way. I mean, yeah. there's there's just no there's no script. You can you can train, mm-hmm. but there's just no way to you do that. You can have it in your mind of what you're supposed to say, but it'll almost never come out. That it's way. almost <laughs> like a, it's almost like a job uh, interview. Yeah, where you know it's that important. Yeah, and you have to be perfect. I mean, you're on their territory. You're on you're yes. on their time, and you're taking their most precious thing possible. Yeah, their loved it's, one. It's you're, it's tough. Yes, incredibly tough. And then he goes even further to talk about um, going upstairs. And the thing that I think really got me the most in this episode was the Ninja Turtle pajamas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That killed me. Yeah, that was... 
That was hard. You're supposed, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's obviously way harder for them um, than it is us listening to this now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can almost just feel it. Yeah. You know, you can, you can feel that emotion that. I think so. And that, but just having to earn that trust. Yeah. Too. That he's going to be okay. That he's going to be cared for. That we are going to do everything in our power to be perfect. Mm-hmm. That he is going to be honored. He is going to be treated with the utmost reverence, respect. Yeah. And care. And you have to, you have to, you have to resonate that to the family in about a twenty-minute window. Yeah. Before you take them into our care at Haley McGinnis. Mm-hmm. And and also, you know, looking back, we we never just take someone. I mean, you're always asking for permission. You know, hey, yes. may we come in? May we introduce ourselves? You know, may we discuss on the next steps and 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 what happens next? May we? Are are you guys ready for us? You know, to to take, take over to t- to take, take the our, care to take your loved one in dark care. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you know, and and most of the time, people are like, yes, you know, we're. As tough it is as it is, you know we're ready. Um, and then we say, okay, now listen, this is this is what's going to happen, is we're both going to exit the house. We're going to go to the back of the van. We're going to retrieve our cots. Um, it's going to make noises. You know, we're it's that's all normal for us. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to you know bring it back in and and we're going to transfer. Um, and we will not leave until you're ready. Yes. And something that we do that's kind of part of the, uh, I guess like our, it's it's rooted in us. When we make a removal, when Nathan talks about the cot, explains the cot, how it's like a kind of a movable gurney a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a pillow that is folded or that's placed on top of a folded blanket. It almost looks like a, a comforter, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, like a little quilt. And it's as if when we place a loved one onto the cot and we put the pillow underneath and lay them gently on, mm-hmm. We um, buckle them in mm-hmm. reverently, and then we take the comforter and we place it over them. But when we're still in the house, we will not cover their face. We will not. It looks almost as if you're laying in bed. Yeah. And we will not cover their face until the family has had a chance to say their final goodbye and farewell, at least from the home. Yeah. And we'll ask for permission after they feel the time is ready if we may cover their face. Yeah. And and some people will say no. Some people will say, "Hey, can you leave it? Can you leave it uncovered yes. until you get to the funeral home?" You know, like or to the van, or mm-hmm. just yes, which we will do. Yeah, we have done. Um, and there are others that are just saying, "I'm I'm ready. Go yeah. ahead and and just I've had my time. Mm-hmm. They've made their peace with it." And I think that comes more too with an expected death. Yeah, if there's been a long ongoing illness, um, but there it just everyone grieves differently. Everyone mm-hmm. handles it differently, and um, going back to the the untimely deaths, I think as funeral directors too, when you talk about how you have to go home with it and you can never just leave things like that at work, yeah, you have to find a way to rationalize it within yourself, I think, to make your peace with it. Mm-hmm. And I, have you done anything like that yet, Micah? Have you, have you kind of had like a, this is what you tell yourself to kind of make peace? Yeah, yeah, 
So what's Ab- what's kind of your process Ab- for that? Absolutely. Um, so so with with the younger one um, that I was involved with, I mean, I just told myself that you know it's it's okay. It's you know I cried it out with myself. I processed how I needed to, um, and and still to this day, I just I I think about um, that loved one, and I just know that you know they're no longer suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're no longer in, um, that position. Um, mm-hmm. and it's okay. And for me, I'm a, uh, I'm a devout Catholic. Um, and, and my thing that I always just try to sit there and, and tell myself is for a young child that has passed, mm-hmm. that that child's going to grow up in heaven. Yeah. That, 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 that they're in, in the most perfect blissful place possible, something that the human conscious isn't even possible. It isn't even possible for us to rationalize the beauty and perfection of God. Mm-hmm. And that child is, is with him forever. And I think that's something that I, and, I would tell that to families a lot too. Yeah. That, and that's, and that's great that you can, you know, tell yourself that and, and that's how you process it. You sure. Know? Every, yeah. Everyone's different. I am not a devout Catholic, but that's okay because I know what's in my heart. Yeah. You know, like I, I know how to handle this. and Definitely. And I think there's just, um, you know, there's there's no way, no right way to really handle that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There just, there just isn't. But I, I thought that it was a, um, a really, a really impactful story that he could, that he shared that in such detail. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just took you through a um, what it's like to actually experience one of the toughest scenarios that you can experience mm-hmm. in the funeral home. Yeah, as a as a funeral director, and 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 I think that every every person that works in the funeral industry would tell you that. Um, you know, we we see death a lot. Um, you know, almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but one that we do not see a lot of are our children, um, yeah. and that will. Uh, you can be stone cold the entire um, days of of your funeral career, um, but that will always get you. That will always break you down. Absolutely, and I just don't think there's there's just so much that that you could continue to talk about with it. But mm-hmm. um, I don't want to keep talking in circles at this point, though, either, too. <laughs> so because I know that you guys either got to work or you're like, okay, well, man, why is the obituary getting so long? I mean, I thought I thought this was supposed to be about thirty or forty minutes tops, but for certain yeah. things like this, though, there's just there's so much that you you have to really cover and talk about mm-hmm. because you you can't spare any details. I don't think. I I, I don't know. I just yeah. I, I think that this is something that that you don't experience, and it's the ones that too. If, when you think about it, when you see a young obituary, an obituary in the paper or online or on Facebook, yeah, and it's same. a young person. You're gonna click. Yeah. On the you're gonna click on that site, and you want to see. What's going on with that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I just think there's a lot of different things that that we could continue talking about, but you know, just uh, just it, it, for take back, just think about the funeral side of things. Um, think think about us. Think about you know what what we go through. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the obituary. You'll die trying. Be sure to check out some of Big Turkey Foot Coffee while you're at it, and, mm-hmm. and go ahead and head on over to our website and check out some of the new merchandise that's going to be dropping soon. Go and uh, check out Morris Family Services, mm-hmm. 
our website and 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 click on just a, a little bit about us. Put a picture to our uh, our faces. Yeah. Our, yeah, yeah. Don't don't uh, just keep us as a radio personality. Yeah, <laughs> you can see what we actually look like. Yeah, we've got and you can see our entire team and our culture and mm-hmm. all of our locations where we work and and kind of what our life looks like a little yeah. bit when we're here at work. For me, eight to five. For Micah, not eight to five. Twenty five seven. Yeah, yeah. Micah's married to the game, guys. So. <laughs> It's part, but yeah, you guys go check that out too and, and be sure to like and subscribe to us and, and, and keep listening. And we can't wait to share everything that's going to be happening with us next week too mm-hmm. on our next episode of You'll Die Trying the Obituary. Mm-hmm. Check us out. Check us out, guys. Thank you all. Mm-hmm.